0: There are over 5,000 colleges and universities in the US. Each college and university offers a unique experience. Hi, welcome to this episode of College Matters Alma Matters. Shweta Bagade is a college counselor based in the Silicon Valley in California. Shweta started her professional life as an engineer. She then hit the pause button to raise a family and re-emerged as a college counselor. Her driving philosophy is that for every student, there is a college out there. She wants to help find it. Shweta is with us today to share her journey as a college counselor and to talk more about her approach to counseling. Without any more delay, let's go over to Shweta. Hi Shweta.
1: Hi Venkat, how are you today?
0: I'm doing well, how are you?
1: Pretty good, thank you.
0: Good, so first of all let me welcome you to the podcast College Matters Alma Matters. Today we hope to hear about how you got into this business of counseling and your experiences, so thought it'd be a good conversation to have and um, I think it'd be extremely beneficial to all those aspiring students out there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: um, so yeah. So, you know, we can sort of dive right in and maybe sure. you can give a brief sort of history of you know, how you got into this and any background or anything else that might be uh, illuminating, if you will.
1: Um, yeah. Well, it, it's, it kind of goes in line to some of the advice I give students when I do counsel <laughs> them. Uh So my my background is actually, I have a bachelor's degree from Drexel Mm -hmm. in materials engineering. I worked in industry Mm -hmm. for nine years Mm -hmm. um, in all sorts of roles, R&D, tech service, a little bit of uh, sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. And when we moved to California, we were starting our family. So I decided to stay home full time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And what ended up being was supposed to be going to be for only, you know, five years ended up being close to 20 years, Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little, maybe a little less, maybe 18, 19 years. But anyway, Uh um, and I was realizing I have three children. I was thinking they're getting older, they're moving out. I need to start kind of looking at what am I going to do? My husband has a wonderful career Mm -hmm. and, I'm going to be home without the children. So what Mm -hmm. are my next steps? So I explored all kinds of things, you know, everything from going back for my MBA to Mm -hmm. starting a business, uh, all kinds of things. And in the meantime, I'm volunteering significantly in my local school districts. Sure. And I decided to move on to the high school. Mm -hmm. And the high school has a reputation of not needing a lot of volunteers, minimal volunteering. But I said, Mm -hmm. let me reach out. Mm-hmm. And the my children's um, high school it's a public high school has mm-hmm. a college and career center and one of the ladies who was kind of really trying to grow a, a parent not a mm-hmm. staff member, yeah. a parent a yeah. volunteer in the neighborhood was really trying to grow the college and career center mm-hmm. and I wanted to support her efforts so sure. I reached out to her and she's like great come in she gave me some small jobs to kind of get my feet wet and I was like. I want to do more. I want to do what you're doing, helping the kids with the college process. And she's like, all right, let's see how it goes. And she was very particular in terms of, you know, making sure that we're not injecting our words and our mindset, like letting them kind of dictate their path. Uh And I started volunteering with her. And after about a month of doing it with her once a week for about an hour and a half, she's like, You'd be really good at this. And I was like, you should consider this for a career. Mm -hmm. And I'm born and raised in the U.S. And I'm like, you don't do this for a career. And she knows I'm an engineer at heart. She goes, research it. Uh So I did. And I was blown away by how big of an industry this is. um, The lack of oversight. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Basically, you can just wake up one morning and decide you want to council students there's right. no requirement versus like a doctor or sure. even a teacher right yeah, they have yeah. have certain certifications so after i did my research i went back to her and she's she is doing she, at that time she had already been doing it for a couple of years on her own mm-hmm. and she recommended some programs for me to look at and i looked at those programs and i ended up going to uc berkeley's extension center and they mm-hmm. have a certification program for college counseling. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much how it started. And because I live in the neighborhood, um, a lot of people know me. I volunteer. I have three children at very different interests, different age groups. And so I have a kind of a big net of network of people. Sure. And before I was even finished with the certification, people were asking for, you know, Would you be willing to work with my child with the essays? Would you be willing to help her create the list? And my plan wasn't really to jump into it so quickly. I thought I'll get my feet wet, do a little bit of volunteering, keep that up. And as my youngest gets older, then I'll dive in. And here I am. I'm in year four. (laughs) (laughs) And he's only 14. So... (laughs) my youngest
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah it's a it's a weird story and it goes to show you know you don't know where your path is going to be and what opportunities cross your you know your way and you have to kind of be open to those things
0: absolutely absolutely so how have the last sort of four years you said how have they been i mean so um what you know, what are you finding? What is sort of your niche? Are you doing a broad thing? I mean, what are some of the learnings, uh, if you will? I,
1: I don't know if I would consider that I have a niche, but yeah. I do, a, a lot of students that end up finding me, a lot of students end up hiring me are tend to be STEM majors, engineering,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: computer science. Not that I'm some sort of expert in computer science, but I have a basic knowledge and I'm willing to always learn and research, Mm -hmm. but I don't, you know, I don't target any specific students. I've had students from, you know, as I mentioned, engineering and computer science. I've, I had a couple of students do environmental science. Um, Even I helped a student last year get into journalism, another one get into nursing. So, Mm. and just like any, major that I'm learning about, like my nursing student, she was the first time Uh I researched it and I spoke to people who are also independent counselors and I spoke to nurses and just trying to understand the industry, the career path, the education process to get there. So I don't really target anybody, but I do, I am willing to research and find out as much as I can for them.
0: Do you find the counseling business? I mean, your peers. Uh, do you find this collaborative? Is this sort of are people help? Do they help you? Are people helping each other. How, how how's the how's the general oh, sort of philosophy? I
1: think, I think in general, um, they do. I uh, there are um, professional associations. There's um, IECA, HECA, NACAC. These are all, um, and then local WACAC. They're all professional associations. And I think if you belong to those associations, I would say the majority of the people in them are very supportive. Mm. Um, I recently just joined IECA and the people are so helpful and, you know, they just throw out a question and people will respond. And, and I've been on both sides of that. I've asked questions and I've responded to people, Um, asking questions, you know, so Mm -hmm. I think in general, I would say probably 80% if I have to give it a number, you know, Mm -hmm. I am an engineer at heart. So, (laughs) you know, I do like quantitative things. I work better in that kind of environment, but um, yeah, I I would say for the most part, they are collaborative. I do reach out to other counselors that are in my area that I do know personally. um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I do use the general association as well. So I do reach out to both depending on my need.
0: As you look over the last four years or so, what have been some of the successes or what are things that you're proud of? Um, You know, you obviously went from zero to a lot in this time frame.
1: Um, I, I think for me, the successes are just helping the students find their place. Mm -hmm. Trying to, you know, I I do the slap of reality kind of things, you know, Mm -hmm. where students are saying, I really want to go to, you know, an Ivy league school. And I have to remind them that those, you know, admission rates are extremely low. They are very competitive. And if you're going to apply to one then, or even two, you got to put up, you know, 110% into those applications. Mm -hmm. There's no uh, shortcuts on that process. So I, but I think my success is really just providing kids with options and opening them up to other things that may not have been on their radar. Um, I had one student who, she was an absolute doll. She was just fun to talk to and I enjoyed counseling her. And she was struggling in trying to find a place that worked for all her parameters. She had financial parameters, location parameters, college parameters. Right. And even though I felt like there was a university that was a much better fit for her, Mm -hmm. her and her final choice was a, a different school. And I just supported her in trying to make sure, realize like the pros of that school along with, you know, some of the cons and make that kind of sweet balance between everything. And it, it ended up being, um, a great place. Uh, she enjoys it, things like that. So it's, for me, those are the, those are the moments where you're like, okay, I, we all have our own personal expectations. I'm sure a part yeah. of that is like a little bit of my parent mode, right? But ultimately she's happy I've checked in with her at the beginning of her freshman year and, and, and her mom and everything has been working out very well for her. And that's ultimately the goal.
0: No, that's, that's terrific. So what are some of the colleges that your students have gone to over the last few years, just for the audience sake?
1: Oh yeah. I have a, I have a, it's a pretty wide spectrum. Really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've got my, our local San Jose state, Mm -hmm. um, i had a student who do who did early decision to santa clara university mm-hmm. i had another client do early decision to tulane
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, baylor mm-hmm. Scripps college down south um university of washington uh purdue i all over ucla all sure. my students go all over arizona state they're all over the map and because ultimately It's about what works for them. Yeah. And I do try to get the noise out of their head. I've had a few students who go to private schools and private schools tend to push, you know, name brands. Yeah. And I try to get them to realize it's not about the brand of the school. It's about you taking advantage of the opportunities at that school Mm -hmm. and making sure it has the things you want. So a, a smaller, you know, lesser known, less popular school to attend might have a phenomenal program for Mm -hmm. what they want. Mm -hmm. So it's really keeping your, you know, options open and kind of being open-minded to these, you know, not so big name brand schools.
2: Sure. Sure.
0: What are the types of students you end up encountering? I mean, you know, obviously each child is different. Um, what's what's the, if there was some generalization you could make and some specific experience or whatever, what's the kind of um, variety I,
1: I think that generalization is the parents want to support their kids mm-hmm. but they know as a parent we're both parents as parents they know our children may not necessarily listen to us right so they're trying to find an adult who can guide them through the process and Kind of be reasonable as well, Mm
2: -hmm, you know. mm -hmm.
1: Maybe you know there's some financial constraints, location constraints, things like that, Mm -hmm. and that seems to be honestly the biggest drive of people looking for a counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, I also i I always tell you know when I meet with potential clients, I do a you know free consultation. And I always tell them, it has to be somebody you are comfortable with, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because now you've got to share, you know, stories about yourself. You got to share your ideas, your expectations, your goals and things like that. So it's driven by two things. The parents really just getting nervous and wanting somebody to support them, knowing it's such a complicated process. Mm -hmm. It wasn't this complicated 30 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. um most people back in the day only applied to three or four schools and now kids are applying i've heard kids apply to 30 35 schools it's yeah it's ridiculous mm-hmm. not that we recommend that we don't right. recommend that but uh yeah so it comes a lot of it's driven by the parents and sometimes it's driven by the students who are just looking for a little you know personal support that they can't get from their high school
2: mm-hmm. Our high
1: school counselors are overwhelmed and the demands are high on them. Mm-hmm. So they can't give that real one-on-one attention to the students. And as I said, the applications are much more demanding. Yeah. If you're only applying to a couple of schools, counselors could help that. And you only have one or two essays. But their kids were writing anywhere from 10 to 20 essays,
2: yeah.
1: depending on the colleges they apply to. So there's a lot. But those are I think those are the two big things, getting that personal support. And then making sure there's an adult who's kind of guiding them.
0: So typically, what um, grade do you like to start counseling students from? And then how do you go about it? I mean, what kind of, what's your general process look like?
1: I love, ideally, you know, ideal, ideal situation is really beginning a freshman year.
2: Mm. Only
1: because I, I personally, I do help the students make sure they're picking classes that make sense Mm -hmm. and getting them to the path of providing opportunities or reaching the goal that they have set for themselves. Some kids early on know what they want to do, some don't. Mm -hmm. And so making sure their path is kind of set up for success Mm
2: -hmm.
1: is, you know, is what you're trying to do. And when you get them a little bit later, you can't change what they've done. Right. All right. So, for instance, I had a student this year, just a really nice kid on the quieter side.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he had an older brother who didn't require, co- co- wanted college counseling, mm-hmm. but he did. Mm-hmm. And if I had picked him up earlier, he would have taken AP Bio mm. earlier mm. instead of his senior year because that's where his interest really perked up. He ended up he's majoring in environmental science and I think that AP bio would have really opened up his, you know, the opportunities to look beyond just the basic courses. So it's things like that. Like mm-hmm. those are the big things. And then also making sure when you when you're with the students earlier, you're also making sure their summers are productive.
2: Yeah. Mhm.
1: You know, you can't tell them after the fact, oh, well, you should have done that last year.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. So it's those are that's my ideal situation. I, you know, freshman's ideal. Sophomore year is not too bad. When you get them junior, senior year, you're kind of their path is already set. So all I can help them with is planning for, you know, college visits, testing, you know, assuming there's any testing um, needed and making sure their summer between junior and senior year is productive one.
0: So, so, so here's your, you know, you want obviously one them in the freshman year of high school, but in, in reality, what, what ends up happening? What's the general distribution? Like what, what is your uh, student? What's the breakdown you think roughly? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I would say 80% of my clients are juniors and seniors. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, you know, they, And it's not usually the beginning of junior year. It's middle of junior year. Yeah. It's a little bit harder when testing situations were normal.
2: Yeah.
1: It's harder to say, oh, you really should have taken it back in November when you had all that free time. Yeah. And now you have sports and extracurriculars that are making it complicated. Um, And then senior year is is like that. And end of junior year is when a lot of families kind of panic. Yeah. So I still even now it's July, almost yeah. August, and I'm still getting calls.
0: Yeah. So basically it's that twelve months period. Twelve month period, you know, middle of junior year to middle of senior year. That's when they have to apply or submit applications. So okay, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I guess that's the way people operate. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm always curious to sort of see how you set expectations for students. I mean, you know, like you said, at the outset, you know, parents and students, everybody comes in with, you know, all kinds of names and brands in their eyes. And then, um, and then you kind of have to do the reality check and sort of try to show them different options, et cetera. So how do you, how do you sort of go about that? How do you how do you handle that?
1: Um, I it, it's a challenge. I I always try the foundation of every application is you know, GPA scores and extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I am, as I said earlier, I'm data driven. So if I have a student who wants to apply to Stanford and his his or her GPA is three point nine and their scores are fourteen hundred. I'm showing them the data. Yeah, and I don't even address the complication of how demanding that application is. Right. And you're looking for support in September. Uh-huh. Students who are applying to Stanford, for example, are any school that has high demand application like Stanford or uh, Yale that you're starting early. Yeah. You're not. You're not waiting for school to start. You're starting in the summer. You're working on those essays because it gives you the opportunity to research, to really do your homework and to put a lot of full effort into that. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, you know, I'm very blunt. I don't sugarcoat anything and I just put it out there and I show them the numbers. If they still want to apply, ultimately it's their process and I'm happy to support them. Mm -hmm. But I'm always reminding them that the likelihood of admissions is very low mm-hmm. and we're looking we i try to focus the kids on target schools right schools they have at least a 50 50 chance of getting in
0: yeah that makes sense that makes sense so generally i mean and, and do students uh, how do they respond i mean I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's, it's a tough thing for the child or for the parents to hear or do you think in a lot of cases they do know the answer to these questions
1: um you know a lot of families do get wrapped in I know what you're saying but my child is exceptional Mm -hmm. and I actually this sounds like a negative story but it was a great learning for me I actually got um, let go we parted ways Mm -hmm. from a client Mm -hmm. because they hired me late it was in September Mm -hmm. and they wanted to apply to Stanford and Mm -hmm. I explained to them your student is a great student, has a lot of interesting qualities, but the likelihood of getting in is really low. Mm-hmm. And the family, including the student, was convinced that I was, you know, I was wrong. Right. And then I was putting deadlines because now you, you it is a demanding application. There's a lot of short essays you have to fill out. Uh-huh. questions you have to answer uh-huh. so I was putting pretty hard deadlines and trying to get things done and they were having a hard time meeting them uh-huh. and so I said I this isn't going to work if you can't meet the deadlines and the families the parents and the child said well your deadlines are unrealistic and I said look I can't support you the way I think you need to be supported to do this kind of application mm-hmm uh-huh. And so we agreed just to part ways and it made me realize that if the students and the families are not willing to work with you, then this might not be the right um, client for me.
2: Right.
0: Right. And, And maybe, you know, not even engage with clients like that. If you feel that it's something that you cannot support in any meaningful way. Yeah. it's but it's a hard call I understand. I understand
1: it is and and doing that like you know having that blunt conversation I see the you know the energy from the faces kind of drain and and I'm trying to tell them yes I understand this is your dream school but there's so many other great schools out there
2: mm-hmm.
1: And I actually use my husband as an example of you don't have to go to big name schools mm-hmm. to have a very successful, uh, career path mm-hmm. and it, it to give that example it shows them you know like it's not about the schools the schools do help you there's of no course. question but it's not going to help you forever yeah and it only helps you a little bit ultimately it's you the, the things you're doing the effort you put in the experiences you um, go through those are the things that are really going to carry you into having going to grad school, getting a job, you know, things like setting your
0: career path. No, that that, that makes sense. Let's sort of um, try to um, segue to sort of what's going on in the world today um, in terms of COVID-19 and everything that it has. So it's sort of wreaked havoc with almost every aspect of life. And so how has how that, first of all, changed counseling or changed what you're doing? I mean, how much impact has it had on what you are doing?
1: Um, I think it impacts the families and the students
2: mm-hmm.
1: of where they apply. Yeah. And what is happening is they are scrutinizing universities of how they handled it. Mm-hmm. How they're handling it now with incoming freshmen, graduating seniors, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And students are students in typical will always apply to some schools far away. Yeah. And what's happening more and more is students are looking locally. Mm-hmm. Can I drive home from the school? Can I hop on an hour flight? Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. And that's becoming. um more of a concern of an aspect that they're looking at more so than it was in the past. It's not true for everybody, but it's becoming definitely a little bit more predominant in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, with everything that's going on, like, you know, testing being canceled since March and not having test scores and colleges going test optional, it's hard for counselors in trying to do a good prediction anticipation of is this a good match for you Mm -hmm. because now we don't know right right and being a resident in california we have two public school systems the university california system which has gone test optional Mm -hmm. and the california state system the csu's which are going test blind which is interesting because Previous to this, they Mm -hmm. used a test score very heavily Mm -hmm. with the GPA Mm -hmm. to calculate admissions. So how is this going to look with only having GPAs and a little bit of extracurricular activities? So it's going to be a harder thing for counselors to guide students. Can I get into Cal Poly slow? Can I get into San Diego State or San Jose State, you know? some of these ultra-competitive Cal States. So there's a lot of things that are happening that we're all just kind of, you have to kind of go with the flow and make adjustments accordingly.
0: You know, I um, I just talked to the UC Santa Barbara Ad- admissions director, Lisa Prescott, um, and I asked her the question about, um, you know, kind of getting rid of standardized tests and obviously they are moving to some um, some test at some point. And I said, how are you going to normalize? How's it, especially international students, how would you know whether to, um, you know, what a GPA really means, um, from, for a student in a school and how can you compare school A with school B in country A with country B or country X and country Y. Um, and, she kind of told me something which I thought was very interesting. Apparently, so, you know, she said that they didn't attach a whole lot of credence to tests and that they received 110,000 applications and she said, we have, we employed readers and we went through every application and so essays become more important. It's kind of, what was her point or or what you write about or, or whatever, equivalent description about itself, Right? And, that, um, I mean, you know, but the general feeling um, is talking to other counselors and it seems like they feel that this is going to make it much harder on admissions in general to um, evaluate all their applications. So, um, it is going to change, you know, I think it is going to change things both both ways. I mean, from an admissions point of view as well as from a submission point of view. Um, so, how would you... So, so I think, uh, you know, So I think what you're basically saying is that without those tests, without that quantitative stuff, the filter is gone. One of the filters is gone and the other one then becomes a very questionable one because it's not a standard thing. So it does put a lot of burden on counselors to kind of now try to guess how to position it. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I do think that that might be far more fundamental than... Um, People are kind of making it out to be uh, just as someone observing this. Uh, that's what I would, I would feel.
1: Yeah, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be challenging. You have to now look at the student a little bit more, you know, kind of dig deeper, you know, look at their hobbies, look at their interests. It's not just about some of their academic and extracurricular activity achievements that you're going to be looking at. You're going to be looking at qualities about them that stand out. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be about really putting that unique aspect out about you that says, wow, that's interesting. Because you and I could read the same essay from a student and you could love it. And I could be like, eh, it's okay.
2: Exactly. And
1: because it's subjective. It's a very subjective process. So um, one of the things I think in general, a lot of counselors are doing are trying to find that quality about the student that makes them unique they we don't want to hear the story like there's a there's a joke with uh, counselors in general where the kid has created the best chocolate chip cookie recipe Mm -hmm. and it's an essay that's been written over and over again another Mm -hmm. essay that's been written over and over again is the student who had an injury and how they persevered and got to play their senior year in a sport that they you know, are passionate about, you know, those are the same old, same old. So what you're really looking for, I think now, especially now more so than before is what are you doing? That's a little bit unique. Correct. What is it about you? That's a little bit unique. Um, Yeah. I had a client who, you know, she's of Indian descent, born and raised in the U S Mm-hmm. But her family's, her parents are immigrants, and they're deeply um, connected to the culture. So, thought it was very important for their child to learn Sanskrit.
2: Uh-huh.
1: You know, in Sanskrit, if I have to compare, it's like Latin. Yeah, nobody speaks it. Nobody really uses it except for people in typically language or religion type uh, things, mm-hmm. and it's not something that people are signing up for. Latin used to be very popular language Mm -hmm. to take in the U S and it doesn't exist anymore. Right. And when she told me that she had learned Sanskrit, I was like, that's impressive. And she goes, yes. And I also teach it to kindergartners. And I'm like, I was blown away. I said, you have to write about that. That is a must. I said, not only are you learning a language that people don't go out of their way to learn, you're teaching it. And it's not native to you
2: Mm -hmm.
1: because our language is English.
2: Right, Right.
1: so it's things like that that are really, you know, you have to hear about. And I, I always have this joke. Like, I got to get goosebumps when I think about it,
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: the topic. And when you get that feeling, it's like that's the one of the things you've got to write about.
2: No, it's a challenge. I
1: don't envy admissions at
0: all. (laughs) (laughs) So what are what are some of the changes you think colleges would be going through? I mean, especially, I mean, as as it relates to admissions, I mean, there are obviously a lot of other things, but um, are some schools a little more um, easier to reach or, you know, is there any change in the uh, dynamics of that kind?
1: That's going to be hard to predict right now
2: mm-hmm.
1: because this is the first time we're entering A process where test scores are not used Mm -hmm. and that is such a big parameter for students and counselors alike that what's going to be really telling is to see the distribution of GPAs yeah um, of next year so once this first round of admissions is for the fall um, happens and the colleges then put out their data for their admitted students i would love to see that kind of bell curve mm. Of you know where the bulk of their students are like they you know that that median range who's at that upper end of the bell curve and how low of a gpa are you taking right so yeah. there's there's a lot of factors that are coming into play and a lot of Um, adjustments that are being made and I think the universities are going to start looking more closely at their um, the schools that use supplementals or the schools that don't use supplementals are probably going to be looking at creating one that is more suited or Uh if they have supplementals adjusting them to make them more um, maybe a little bit more pointed in helping the admissions kind of differentiate the students.
0: So what are you doing differently or what would you have to do differently now as a counselor with these current this current conditions, I guess?
1: Um, I, I feel like I'm adjusting our brainstorming mm. for these essays. I'm doing a lot of that right now because I'm trying to really get the kids to pull – And dig deeper and Mm. they get stuck in well I did this in high school I didn't do that in high school and a lot of times some meaningful experiences that happened before high school Mm -hmm. are excellent stories Mm. and so and it kind of sets the path of the kind of person you've become so something Mm. that may have happened to you as a 12 year old could really have changed how you approach school how you approached relationships your goals, things like that. And so I try to get the kids to really kind of go beyond the high school mindset and try to think of experiences that have been something that's kind of been with them for a while and Uh dictate their path. So that's, I wasn't, I was doing some of that before, but now I'm doing it a lot more because if you have multiple essays, then you need multiple topics.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, I, think um, I would imagine that extracurriculars take on a huge meaning too, right, in this whole setting. Um,
1: well, that's a, that's a whole other issue because our, our extracurriculars have significantly changed. Yes. Right. You know, so you think about any of these rising seniors, if they played a sport and their sport was in the spring, well, they didn't get to play it. And it yeah. looks like they're not playing in the fall. If they mm-hmm. play one in the fall, so if they're like a football player, let's say, or cross country runner, mm-hmm. um, so many things have changed. The nice thing that I've been reading up on from these various college admissions is they're open to what the kids are doing. So if they're being creative, thinking out of the box, um, because of having, not being able to go out into public or you know, congregate with a large number of people. What are you doing differently? So I think the admissions people are expecting that and the students are now expected to do that on some level.
2: Got it. Got
0: it. How are the students handling it? I mean, you've, um, do you see a change in them compared to maybe six months ago? Um.
1: um I feel some, I think most, you know, teenagers are pretty resilient people Uh in my Uh mind. Um, They get frustrated. They, they get, you know, disappointed, but then they kind of push through. I, I even, I have a child who just graduated and living with him and seeing him push himself through Mm -hmm. and dealing with disappointment after disappointment, but he's able to look at the positive sides and look at, you know, kind of focus on the good things. And I would say a majority of the students are able to do that. You Mm -hmm. know, you have a couple that are, you know, there's always going to be some who are kind of just stuck Mm -hmm. and they're constantly looking back instead of trying to look forward. And those are the ones you have to really kind of reach out towards more actively and say, I get this has happened to you, but now what can we do now? What's in your control? Talk about the things I try to get the students to focus on the things they can control, and ultimately, that's what they're doing. They realize, I can't control this. What can I control? And that's what they're doing.
0: So the ones that are um, have been accepted or uh, for the fall 2020 program, um, what's the general, uh, I mean, where are they? I mean, it's not clear what's happening to colleges at this point, but... Um, you know, whether it's hybrid or online or um, on campus, um, are they all going to go to some, to college in some shape or form, or are they going to take the te- take the time off and sort of defer it? They're,
1: so they're, I think the majority, most of my clients are all, they're not taking the gap year. They're not deferring it. They've decided okay. that this is, this is what it is, and they're managing through it. Okay. Um, the difference is each university ham- is handling this differently because right. of their own constraints, whether it be size, staffing, um, accessibility, um, things like number of students in their um, campus, Those all those kinds of things. Factor in of how they're dealing with it, where mm-hmm. they are, you know, people in Indiana, going to purdue are going to have a different experience than people in california right so that part is quite varied and it's quite broad in the you know how they're each handling it and i think students are handling it the way they're just kind of here's the situation they're making decisions and then they move on to the next situation
0: okay so, I mean, so they're basically accepting it and moving on, I think. Yeah, I'd is... say
1: most, I, there are some kids that are not my clients that I do know that are, have, are deferring or taking the gap year kind of thing. Um, some were doing it beforehand and now are thankful they're doing it and some were contemplating it and now this has forced them kind of to do it. Um, and I think that's the difference. I think any student that was already on the fence about Mm -hmm. taking a gap year prior to COVID, Mm -hmm. um, this has kind of forced them to really re-examine that. I feel like the majority of the students who are planning to go to whatever their process was, whether it was community college or a four year, they're sticking with their plan.
0: Okay. So what about the ones who are planning to apply for fall next year, fall 2021, um, how how have their plans changed?
1: Uh, the biggest one is looking at universities that are a little bit more local. Okay. Um, they're not, I I did have a student who was very interested in going to Texas and he has come back to me and said, I don't want to look at Texas anymore. Mm. And so I think COVID is really forcing kids to look at, Some of the issues that are not academic related, right? Convenient to come home. Um, How did the universities handle it? How did the state handle it? Right. How they handling it right now? Um, Your comfort with how they're handling it, and these are such personal things um, that it's it's going to vary from student to student, and they're all just kind of making decisions based on the moment.
0: Okay. It's it's sad, but that's where we are. As we come to the end of our podcast, um, are there things that you'd like to share that we haven't touched upon or you want to elaborate some more uh, or any anecdotes or memories or anything of that kind? Um, last,
1: You know, I it's just a reminder every college, every student, there's a college for them, and it's a personal thing.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: not a competition of going to the biggest name school or, um, you know, that you have to be in that same pot as everybody else, especially mm-hmm. students who go to very com- academic, competitive high schools, whether public or private. They kind of, those students really get wrapped up in name brand. And Mm -hmm. I try, I really want students to kind of think out of the box, look Mm -hmm. at some of these smaller schools. They have some really great or lesser known schools. They have some really great programs Uh and look at what you want out of your experience and not focus on the name. That's the biggest takeaway from, for me, for all of this is that is does this college offer the things you want out of your experience academically and um, personally? And if it has those things, it doesn't matter. You'll you're going to take advantage of those things and make it successful.
0: Very good. So um, Shweta, thank you so much for coming on and sharing uh, uh all these uh, details and stories about your business. And I hope the folks out there, the students um, get a lot of uh, benefit out of this and I'm sure we'll be in touch and we should obviously drill down on some of these topics further as we go along. But for now, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for Uh, having me. It was absolutely my pleasure.
0: Yeah. Take care and be safe. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed this podcast with Shweta Bagade. I like Shweta's emphasis on choosing the right college experience for a college-bound student rather than being dictated by brands alone. What do you think? We would love to hear from you. For your questions or comments for Shweta Bagade about this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io with the subject... Shweta Bagade. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash matters to check us out. Till we meet again, Take care and be safe. Thank you.